welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we give you the tools to repair your finances and unfold the roadmap to financial independence. Good evening, accountant. Good evening. And special guest tonight, we have Kevin and his wife, Janine. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the garage. Thanks for having us. Hey, your Thank mic's you. working now. This is an exciting time. Yeah. Trial number two. Trial number two. We're going <laughs> to make it work. <laughs> yeah. We already went through the first five minutes of this. So yeah, if we're this on to our second road, year already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things can get messy real yeah. quick. Here, we'll, we'll make believe that we're cracking beer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because right. uh, the, the failed first attempt was... Uh, so tonight, Kev, thanks for bringing the beers. Uh, just let us know what you brought. All right. So we brought uh, Sneaky Weasel by Balderdash Brewing Company. All right. So it's a... Uh, light beer or light beer it's like a, a light colored beer lager yeah a lager um it is surprisingly smooth deceptively strong the reason i like it is because it is cheap and it is tasty what more could a mustache and ask for yeah right yeah <laughs> it fits the bill absolutely I, I think i picked it up for seven bucks for a six pack here yeah that's just a good deal uh, yeah. 7.49 i got the second cheapest beer if anybody's interested after the podcast to try or i'll send i'll send a couple home with you guys uh, is that your homebrew? Oh, that's fair. The homebrew's right. not quite ready. Fair. Okay. <laughs> We're going to talk about homebrew on uh, another episode of the FI Garage. Yes. Yeah. The drinks episode. The drinks episode. Yeah. yeah. Mustachian Summer drinks. Summer drinks. But that's not why we're okay. here tonight, is it? No, it is not why we're here tonight. Why are we here tonight? We are here tonight to talk about arm's length mortgage lending. Yes, we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Kevin joined the Van Al Mustachian group, and then he had a meetup. Uh, with some other mustaches on yeah. the island here, introduced us to a really interesting book called the RRSP Secret. Yeah, and that's kind of how I got started, actually. Um, Janine and I came a time when we were looking at taking it charge of our own finances, our own investments, and uh, started to do some reading because I, I knew I was I was in a really like good. I was in the golden handcuffs of a of a government job and the pension and planning to kind of leave before that ended so i was like you know how can i how can i make how can i retire still early because you know if i stayed in that job it was in the military how could i stay in until i was like or how could i leave and still get my you know freedom at age 43 is what i would have done if i had stayed in right and i said you know we got to do some research so we did um i went to uh one of these real estate investment seminars they, they kind of offer you it was it was actually an american-based company and they offer you mm -hmm. oh, this free seminar and then For they flipping sell houses yeah, oh, yeah. Those, those oh, flipping yeah. One. yeah yeah and then we invited a friend of ours who uh who's actually a member of the real estate investment network it's a canadian-based company and their their kind of flagship program is uh for buy and hold uh rental properties okay so yeah. he, he came with us to this american seminar and you know, he didn't stay for the whole weekend because he's already, he already, he already had a few rental properties and he was already fixing, fixing and, uh, um, sweeting and tenanting those properties. So, but he told us about a book, the RRSB secret that you already uh, mentioned by Greg Habstrit. Habstrit, yeah. Um, he said, Hey, take a look at this book. It was a really good book. He says, I've never done it myself, but, <laughs> right? But go for it. But yeah, yeah give but, it a shot. But check it out. Right. So we did. And again, um, I don't know if it was pre-re-recording uh, or post-recording, but I'm saying like, you know, actually reading the books like um, made a big difference for us. Did some of our own research and then started with our first deal. Nice. So just to point out for the listeners, the book was written in 2009. Mm -hmm. um, we'll get to some more specific questions later on, but I, I kind of wondered how much uh, needs to be updated 
uh, from that point of view. But it sounded like the principles are, are fairly sound. So I'll just sort of give a brief overview of what the what the secret is that they're talking about in the book and, and maybe just describe what an arm's length mortgage is to people because I think that's probably a new term for most people. Yeah. So the, the bulk of that book talks about the arm's length mortgages, which is basically it's a mortgage that you as an investor are the lender on. The arm's length designates that you're lending to someone who's not in your family. So right. essentially that's uh, Canada Revenue Agency um, memo essentially says that uh, you're not arm's length if you're lending to you know a parent, sibling, um, son or daughter, or the same your spouses, you know your in-laws essentially. Right. So you, know, you could lend to an uncle, an aunt, uh, and that would be arm's length. But uh, what they don't want you to do is is uh, essentially having lending to yourself through uh, a corporation or through your own uh, RRSPs and then kind of getting through tax loopholes that way. So that's one of the reasons uh, why arms like mortgages are, are what we talk about mostly and what's talked about in that book. Yeah, because they're basically trying to prevent you from extracting the money from your RSP and not paying any taxes on it for that, that period of time. Yeah. Like I could lend yeah. the accountant some money and he could lend it back to me. Uh, both could come out of our RSPs, but that is not allowed. No, that is another... No longer arm's length. Yes, mm -hmm. correct. Yeah. So a little bit more about the arm's length mortgage, if for reference, is that it is uh, secured by a property or you become secured on a title. Yeah, just like any mortgage. Like if you were to buy a house and ask for your bank to lend you money on, you know, against the house and give you a mortgage, they secure their interest in that, that loan by placing a note on the title of your property. So, um, you know, you, you know, the big banks, you might say uh, CIBC is a first mortgage and it would show an amount that on your title if someone was to pull that of the amount that they lend you. So it's the same thing as a private lender. Um, you'll show on title for a, a mortgage against that, that property. If it's, if it's registered, properly as as guided by right the book it yeah, talks yeah. about the strategy yeah that's so. right yeah so the book basically to well from my sort of summary i'm not sure what you got out of there mr accountant but you as a private lender you would find somebody that required to borrow that had equity in the house right and we'll talk a little bit about the risks in a while but it's all about the loan to value of the property that has some equity in it and uh, you're going to lend the money from your RRSP, which is held in a trustee account by, we'll talk about how many, there's a few trustees still available in Canada. And then that money is then moved through your lawyers so that you have your name on title for that amount and, and then to the borrower. And usually for a short term, this isn't, we're not doing a 20 year type mortgage here. It's a, it's a short term, high interest loan that is property backed. Yes. And now, generally, are most of your loans second mortgages? Yeah, all, all of my loans except one are, are second mortgages. And second have mortgages. Been since we started in 2013 or 2014. Because you could have one. third and yeah. fourth, technically. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the further down the line you get. Or you could do a first. You could be first as well, I guess. You could yeah, be if first. You, have yeah. you can have a first, yeah. Yeah. And... I should say and we've been talking about RRSPs throughout, and just I should highlight that this is this applies to any registered account in Canada. So 
Um, you can lend from your tax-free savings account if, right. you, if you have a locked-in retirement account or oh, you can do it RRIF or sense. something like that oh, yeah. as well. So, yeah. so that's really where we got, um, we really propelled our lending was when, when I um, released from the, the army. Mm. Um, I got, I pulled out my pension transfer value, they call it. Right? Oh, so okay. Then that went, you know, a large portion of that went into a locked-in RRSP um, from which then I had access to a couple hundred grand to to lend to lend out right yeah oh that's a really interesting strategy yeah Yeah. i didn't think about that at all so what kind of rates are we generally talking on the loans that you're making the ones that we make are generally set up through um, a broker a specialist broker that deals with private lenders and and borrowers that need private financing so the broker obviously matches the the lender and the borrower right? right And depending on the broker, we have one that um, all their deals are essentially 12.7. All their second mortgages are 12.75% is is what you get as the lender. That's your net. Right. So the face value of that mortgage in that case is uh, 15%. Um, The broker takes a a cut for managing it and set up and and the like. Fair enough. um, All the payments kind of go through the broker. And then you net in your account... um, that 12.5% of your principal. Right. That's and a pretty darn good that's return a on your money. Fantastic return. That's obviously what perked our ears up at yeah, the beginning. That's, yeah. <laughs> Immediately yeah. made us interested. We, we talk a lot about index investing, which is great and uh, yeah. definitely recommended. But So there, there are a lot of perks. And, and what I like about mortgage lending is it flips the risk reward um, concept on its head. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, like we, we've been trained by the financial institutions to that's say right. that, oh, you know, the the higher the return that you get and it's a gambling it's unpredictable return but the higher the potential return they say the higher the risk and the more variable the more variable it's going to be right um but these mortgages um i to i consider them to be safer than um equities for the most part and i get a much more predictable return and steady income off of it so cash flow safety i get security by a registered um, yeah, you're registered on title on of a title. physical property, and, and that's important. It's not just a doc. It's not just a line in a document saying, "Oh, that's as good as this." But what it means is, if anything were to go wrong and the um, borrower were to stop paying, um, essentially, you have a recourse. You can go to the courts um, or the title office. You can um, take legal action to take possession of that property and sell it to get your to get your person, money back to get your loan back. Right. Yeah. I think the other part of, I guess, control with that is. We get presented the deal and uh, they give us all kinds of information about the residents, about the homeowners and their income and their debt and all of this that we can decide, okay, is this a risk worth taking? Is this a good property? Is it a good location? We can do all that research beforehand and then say yes or no if we want the deal. Right. Gives you a little more control over it. Not like when I go to the bank for a loan and they just look at numbers on a page and tell me to eat sand. Right. <laughs> I well, think yeah. it's pound sand, isn't it? Not yeah, I believe sand. so. <laughs> and when you compare it to, um, for example, if you were to go in, you're talking about going to the bank and choosing another investment vehicle, you're like, okay, well, there, you know, I can have this, you know, low growth, this safe mutual fund or this, you know, kind of medium safe mutual yeah. fund or this like aggressive mutual fund, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and you're like, you know, Oh, tell me about that. Oh, you know, you can read this, you know, 100 page prospectus if you want some information about it. And you can't read any of it because it's all jargon, legal jargon yeah. And, yeah. and accounting jargon. And it's like, how do I really evaluate the underlying companies that I'm buying in this thing? 
Whereas if you get, you know, as we, we go through a broker, just because we work full time, we're not full time investors, right? So, yeah. you know, the broker sends us documents so that we can evaluate three things. The property, which is our biggest security, right? So we um, generally will do that. We'll get a certified a professional appraisal, a copy of the appraisal on that property. So we evaluate, like take a look at it and say, is this, do we want to potentially have to sell? Do we think we can sell this property for the amount that we can get our, our get, principal get back? Get your money back. To? Yeah. 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 Um, so the property, the borrower, so we evaluate the borrower. And depending on the, um, depending on the broker, Dogs, so dogs, dogs are, are trying, trying to break into the <laughs> FI gun. They're usually in here recording with us. No. Yeah. That was awesome. I was very happy. <laughs> anyway, so three things. Yeah. So the property with the appraisal, yeah. evaluating the uh, the borrower with, um, depending on the broker, sometimes I get the full um, credit report and yeah. bank statements and stuff. So you can actually say, you know, this person could feasibly pay back, you know, or pay the monthly um costs wow. of the right. loan the, the yeah. interest um or there's one that we work with it it's just a credit score which i find less useful but um i you know it's a give and take yeah when you're working with a broker you don't always have everything you you, you would, would ideally have. ideally want yeah so does the broker not do a lot of that uh screening process at the beginning they or? do okay. they do but uh, and, and some people will just give they'll start working with a broker and they'll just give carte blanche say yeah here's Whatever's, my this is how much yeah. money I have invest it and go right um, I don't like to give up that control fair enough uh, that's just a personal preference like we there have been times when we've uh, been presented deals and we've said oh we don't like this for this reason or that reason okay and I and I find I, I mentioned at the beginning I went to a real estate investment. Uh, network or I was part of the real estate investment network eventually. Right. So, so I, I became educated first about real estate and, and how to evaluate the value of an asset and, and real estate. And, um, that helped me to later on to evaluate these second mortgage deals, these arm length mortgages. So now why did you choose to go into the lending side of it rather than going into real estate as in the investment side of it, purchasing your own rental properties for cash flow or things like that? Well, we do have two rental properties. Okay. Um, in Ontario. So which came first? Did you uh, the lending, lending. The lending came first. Okay. Um, okay. And mostly, it is for convenience. It's a lot more hands off. A lot more passive. Um, passive, exactly. Yeah. Hundred percent passive. It takes less time to set up. It takes less money to set up. Uh, you don't need to get uh, go to a bank and get approved for a mortgage. So technically, right. if you've got cash, chunks of cash, I should say, then you can do as you know as many as you have chunks of cash to lend out uh, you're not limited by like if you're a real estate investor you might um, be limited by your banks uh, you might have a lending limit say yeah to, yeah you know, depending on what your equity is and the yeah. properties and yeah absolutely exactly yeah so when chunks of cash we should probably talk about what a chunk of cash is in this kind of uh, for reference I mean we're probably talking around $25,000 is sort of a starting point yeah 25 and up so generally I'll just give an average here. We've done twenty-four private loans wow. so far okay. since wow. twenty fourteen, and How... I'd say our average is about forty thousand dollars. Wow. Okay. Um, and and you took we talked you touched on the term before short short term. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. So generally the the term is one year. Okay. And but oftentimes, as a lender, the broker will will hope 
and kind of you, you should be prepared to extend extend or, or renew ever after that year right uh, right yeah in fact our very first mortgage from 20 oh come on 2013 or 2014 beginning of 2014 it's uh we still have it on our books. Oh, at thirteen okay. percent so, return. Hey, right? But so, I mean, cash flow, right if on. they're paying the return at thirteen percent, like please yeah. never get rid of that mortgage. You no, guys can exactly. keep paying that for as long as <laughs> well, you want. Yeah, and okay, this begs the question too: is who's borrowing this money? Yes, that's a good question. Who are the borrowers? Like, so, so the ones we've been borrowing on, it's primarily homeowners, uh, people who are um, they've had some financial issues, okay. right? So often debt consolidation issues or they're 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 avoiding bankruptcy essentially they've had or they're they're consolidating credit card debt or some tax something right right and so the, the plan for them oftentimes is for them to um, get some equity out of their home to repay this stuff have a predictable interest only payment yeah um, to free up some cash flow to pay to to then increase their credit score because they're they're not defaulting on their payments anymore because they're right um, yeah, and then the the intention after a year or two is they'll be able to refinance their home at a lower interest rate on their primary residence with their first mortgage with a primary lender at a lower interest rate, and uh, obviously they'll they'll qualify now because they'll have because they a have a credit score credit and score. they've consolidated everything and yeah right uh, so, I see. so they're gonna sort of roll it all back into one that's for a lower rate oftentimes that's okay yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was quite curious about that because in the book he does talk a lot about uh, lending to real estate investors yeah. or developers, right? And a lot of people do that, I think, yeah. and people talk about that in the U.S. a lot okay. as well. I find it, it's harder to get uh, those connections right. to, to real estate investors unless you're part of a group like the Real Estate Investment Network or, yeah. or others. Okay. Um, I was kind of a, I was in what I called an online member, so it... You know, I didn't, it's quite expensive actually. To, I noticed that. I did a little research on it. Yeah. yeah. yeah to be a full member. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had a, like an online membership, which was further discounted as a Canadian Forces member. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Because they had, they had a program for that. But, uh, you know, in order to do the networking thing, you have to pay more to go to the to, events. Yeah. To, to actually go and show yeah. up and talk to people. So yeah. I kind of took what I could from the education piece and they had a magazine and, and things and kind of ed- self-educated a bit. But uh, went went to a couple seminars, but yeah, most of our lending, like I said, was to uh, um, owner occupied residences. Right, most of our loans are owner occupied residences, not. Well, and I always kind of thought, like when I was reading through the book, I thought the owner occupied residence, like that's their home. Mm-hmm. They're gonna have a little more motivation to pay so, you back than a developer, and yeah. all of a sudden things go south on a development, and they go well. Yeah, it's in a corp. I'll wash my hands of this, and we'll the corporation will declare bankruptcy and call it a day. Right, right. Yeah, that is a popular way, though. Of, yeah, of if, uh, yeah, it just, yeah. It has. It's not our experience, so I can't really speak too much about it. Yeah, fair enough. Tell us a little bit how this has sort of changed your trajectory to financial independence. Oh, it's obviously that's an not awesome question. Actually, it, it it's interesting because there, there's so much talk in the community of the traditional index fund investing or dividend investing and and accumulating a four percent or having a you know a four percent withdrawal rule type portfolio but Mm -hmm. clearly like you're developing a a cash flow heavy style of of portfolio with the lending so let's talk a little bit about that if you could yeah so for us i'd say over half over half of our um, net worth is tied up in uh, mortgage lending right actually so that provides 
quite a good deal of, of monthly cash flow. For sure. Which when you look at it um, at your job, hang on, how much money are you making every month? How much are you spending? I don't know if you guys have, had, have read Your Money or Your Life. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. The Bible. Yeah. Great book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So we've got, you know, we went through the steps and we've got the big ch- wall chart. We do. Uh, nice. Oh, you guys awesome. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Love so that. So you can see when it every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. So, you know, every month, every, the first of every month, we chart what our income was over the month. Um, what our investment income was over the month. Fantastic. And that's pretty fun. Like with, with the mortgages, it's it's always pretty uh, pretty stunning. Yeah. Um, and then what our expenses are every month. So that is really how we measure our financial independence, right? For so sure. Um, and we find, you know, we're both still working full time, but our investment income line is higher than our expenses line every month. Right. Um, this month might be a bit of expansion because we had uh, a bit of an exception because we had some unusual expenses this this month. Fair enough, that happens. Yeah, really, that's how we're approaching financial independence. So we're, I, I know we would consider ourselves, you know, phi, e- phi even though we haven't technically reached the the four percent rule from yeah. the, uh, you know, investable assets. Yeah. Equation, right? Because we got a bunch tied up in our house and the other that's not in the stock market. It's not producing income. Yeah. 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 Um, but we find our net worth number is fairly stable Perfect. as well, right? Because we're not having, with, with half of our assets in what I'll call fixed income, but, you know, traditionally we see fixed income as like 2 or 3 or 4% kind of spitting off the just dregs and yeah. as, an, as a deflation hedge, right? Yeah. But with, with these mortgages, they're producing such a significant income that it's... Uh, potential options and putting into the equity and saying, like, well, what can I make seven to 11% historically average or whatever, yeah. whatever the market's long, been doing long-term long, long, long yeah. long term. And I say, we, well, we can do that predictably with fixed income with coming fixed in income every month, every month. Yeah. Not have to really worry too much about it. So by the sounds of it, you, you mentioned that you used, uh, you converted your pension from the forces, mm-hmm. which is a great way to access that money and manage it yourself. Otherwise you're just, letting it be managed and waiting for it till is it 55 that you need to wait yeah something, something like, like that, that i think unless well there's there's a strategy for that too that i don't know how much <laughs> deep dive too much into that how about but, that's uh, next episode <laughs> yeah. i but, think people would love to hear that information so we'll save that yeah. for another show we'll keep it on my point was going to be with that was eventually you're going to run out of room in your rsp or sheltered accounts to do the lending so when yeah. you're lending you can do this um, you can do from it. non-registered, obviously. You bet. It's the same, but because it's interest income, the it's tax implications are much rate. higher. Yeah, right? yeah, that's right. That's right. So n- not a problem once you fire, right? If you can manage if, your income, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We do have a few that are non-registered. Yeah, and obviously we manage it. We, you know, we if it's uh, we got two of us, right? So. Janine and, and me. So like we've got some market investments too, and that those are mostly under my name. So when, uh, you know, we have a good deal and we don't have room or available in one of our registered accounts, we'll put it oftentimes in, in Janine's name. So we kind of balance yeah. The, yeah. the income and the, the investments across both of us for, uh, for tax reasons too. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and you might actually, you might, here's one. So you might be able to actually, or we often split a mortgage. So we, oh, yeah. one mortgage split from two accounts. So let's say I have, I'll just give it a, a, a money example, right? A $40,000 uh, 
um, mortgage. I only have 30,000 available in my tax-free savings account, but I have $10,000 in my savings account. So I can split that mortgage, that second mortgage, 7525, right? I can put, it's a single mortgage, but it's registered to, to, um, both accounts. to my tax-free savings account at 75%. And to me as the lender um, in my actual name at 25%. Oh, I see. Okay. So yeah. it's, it's one mortgage, one charge. It's but like it's, having two borrowers. Yeah, essentially. Or, sorry, two lenders. And you could do that, actually. But it's, Right. That's important to note, too. Yeah. So I, the mechanic and I could pool twenty grand each from our RRSP to make a single $40,000 loan and each be registered 50% on that loan. Technically, I was, yes. I was going to get 30 from The Economist and you and I go five each. He's not here to make the decision. <laughs> That's smart. Yeah, yeah. So technically, yes. Some of the trustees, we'll talk about the banks, and the trustees have yeah. uh, apparently have don't like doing that as much as if it's, you know, okay. one lender with a couple of accounts or right. a married couple. Fair. You know, we did one that you know, I had part and part was in, part was in my registered account and part was in her registered account. And right. they were okay with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So speaking of the trustees, um, I know there's a Canadian Western Bank. Canadian Western and, Trust is sorry, the trust, trust side, that, the trust yeah, side. That we use. Yeah. A TD does not do it any longer. I read about that. And yeah. the other one is, uh, was it Olympic? Right. If they do, they just, they raise the rate so high that's not really competitive not anymore. Feasible, right. right. Yeah. To, it, yeah. yeah. Olympia Trust Olympia is, Trust is, is another one. It's a very at. big one. Yeah. There are a few others, I think, but those are the big ones I know about. Yeah. So we're here on the West Coast, obviously, and, and I looked at the Canadian Western Trust side of it. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that caught my eye was the fees. Yeah. There's a fee to open the account. Uh, there's an annual fee, uh, fee for withdrawals from a, you know, from a fire mustache and point of view, you know, we're so ingrained to be like, Oh, we don't want to pay any bank fees. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to talk about, obviously that you've worked those into your returns for mm-hmm. the, for the loans, but there's a lot of other fees as well to do the deal. Yeah. But that's handled from the borrower. Just and you're talking as, about like the legal fees, yeah. and legal, registering yeah, the transfer. Right. Yeah, and all exactly. That. Right. Yeah. yeah. So the the impression I got from the book was uh, he definitely spoke as if I personally was going to take care of of all the pieces and put them together. So I would secure a borrower. I would do my due diligence, get the appraisal. Then I would take all of that and give it to my lawyer, right? Because you Mm -hmm. need to have a lawyer involved to put it on title. And then because I've got a trustee account uh, or sorry, an account at a trustee, they then do the money transfer. Um, But of course, all of this costs money. Yeah. And it's important to know that that is passed on to the borrower just as if you were to go get a mortgage and you pay all those fees as a borrower. Yeah. So for the most you, part, that's correct. Have you come across, what, what fees do you incur? So we, we do end up incurring quite a number of the trustee fees as, because mm-hmm. like I said, we go through a broker okay. and they, they'll generally eat the, or have the um, lender eat the uh, cost to set up the mortgage. Oh, well, they, okay. Um, and, and to, um, like with Canadian Western Trust, they charge, I don't know, 150 bucks or something bucks. like yeah, that, about that yeah. plus yeah. tax. Yeah. And, and they'll generally, um, that cost will go to the borrower. But in addition to that 150 setup fee, there's also a mortgage holding fee in your account. Yeah. And there's an account fee and, right. and a little renewal fee. And those things, I mean, the borrower could work that in technically, but, um, or sorry, the borrower, the broker, broker could yeah. work that into the deal. Um, but our experience um, with working with that broker, they're very fi- kind of fixed in their ways. They have more 
multiple lenders and yeah you know, if you push the issue too hard they might just too stop sending you deals it, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. so so we kind of we kind of eat some of those uh, ongoing uh fees for the mortgages and would you be able to ballpark a percentage on that like not probably not even uh, a percent like an annual percentage of assets under that are lent out and yeah maybe yeah. maybe a percent like okay. if, if your average is i mean i could do we could yeah, no, give me five minutes. I know, and I'm that, <laughs> I know you got your spreadsheet here. Yeah, 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 but you know, you're looking at probably you know 100, 150 bucks per mortgage per year. Okay, that's right. On those, okay. and if yeah. you're and if you're got like a forty grand mortgage at uh, whatever ten 12, or twelve, let's say ten percent, right? So yeah. you're making four grand. Yeah, yeah, and you're taking a, you know one hundred fifty bucks of fees off of that. You're still making you're still making a great return three thousand eight hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah. A year off off of that one passive investment, right? Right. So it's as opposed to your forty k in the market, yeah, uh, yeah, and paying, well, whatever you're going to point get. five, yeah, right, yeah. or whatever for an E series fund or an ETF point two, whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. and what I love and about this is just the like the stable cash flow, right? Right. Especially that's a major issue for retiring early is you need a stable cash flow that you want to live off of and sequence of return risk is what everybody's always talking about because if the market tanks and you need to withdraw from your funds and you withdraw it down too much you can ruin your entire plan but yeah. how come how come nobody's talking about the power of compounding because you kind of lose that here because you've got simple interest simple interest on a fixed value you're not getting any market returns you don't own the property you're not getting any growth mm-hmm. so you're sacrificing the growth you're not compounding because you're not instantly reinvesting that cash flow what how does that play out in in a long longer time scale you know i i, I love the idea of the cash flow i totally do but if it was a if you're trying to employ this for like a 20-year strategy or maybe a 30-year strategy for early retirement do you could we factor those numbers in there yeah so generally when we look at our statements for our registered accounts we'll see there'll be obviously all, all the money you'll anyway you'll see a cash balance the amount you have that's been um, not loaned out or um, the interest payments accumulated to date that might be too small right to lend to another deal right yeah idle cash right it's yeah. just sitting there it's not really earning anything and that'll happen uh, because generally like you said you need I think our smallest one was about twenty thousand dollars and the average you know was is about call it 40 from right. what we've done you could go higher depending on what you have available yeah but um, you know if you have little amounts of under twenty thousand dollars, it's generally sitting there not doing much. Um, but we found that across all our accounts, generally we're about eighty percent plus invested in these. So when you look at, you know, twelve percent, eighty percent of that, you're looking at I don't know nine. What was that? Eight and a half percent. Yeah, still eight, you're still getting eight and a half nine percent yeah, on your total so, dollar value. So right. there is a bit of a waiting yeah. period. Um, oftentimes because you know when it's in a registered account you don't necessarily want to pull it out and suffer the tax or tax or consequences or otherwise yeah but uh, it actually it actually builds up pretty quickly especially in like in a tfsa yeah right because now you have the ability to contribute say six thousand dollars a year right so let's say you've maxed out your tfsa so far and that's like some of our listeners might right they might might have I don't know what's the maximum if you contribute this seven some seventy thousand or something 63, like that. Sixty-three five sixty. Yeah, I think sixty-three yeah. five fifty-seven. Yeah, sixty. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. I think yeah. somewhere hey, in that. You're range. the accountant. You're supposed to be on top of these things. Well, I should be, but I don't work in tax anymore. <laughs> yeah. So let's say you have even you know fifty thousand in your RRSP and you have that loaned out at twelve percent. You're going to earn twelve uh, six thousand. 
Yeah. 6,000 in a year. Add another uh, from interest. If you've, if you've got that loaned out in a 12% yeah. Yeah. Uh, return, add another 6,000, your contribution room for your TFSA in the next year. You're quickly, you know, within a year or a year and a half, you're, you're quickly up to the amount where you can lend again, or you can combine it with cash that you have in your account. Right. And right. And non-registered side. Again. Right. Interesting. Right. Yeah. I, it sounds to me like I love the strategy, but you're going to have to, you know, be diligent to keep your assets invested. It's obviously, I mean, it, it's passive income, but there is a little bit of upfront work. You bet. Not saying that there shouldn't be in any other kind of form of. Yeah. You should probably do a little, too, but, little bit amount of work yeah. in whatever you're investing in. But to be fair, like an ETF is you just go V-Grow. No research necessary. Right. And you drop yeah. it in there and you forget it, right? So we definitely want to call this an advanced strategy. Yeah, definitely. It does take some knowledge, I'd say, to properly evaluate whether it's right for you, everyone. Like yeah. we, we take, I take a couple hours. Uh, after doing 20 of them, I still take, a, still take a couple of hours, everyone, to really look at the, look at the deal closely, right? And, you know, it took us longer first, took us like four hours. Of course, yeah. And, and generally the, the broker, if they're sending you a deal, they want an answer within a few hours. So you're, you're you know, if you're at work or, or somewhere else, or, you know, we might start at some point slowing down on the amount of private loans that we have just because we want to go like sailing, yeah. go offshore or something. <laughs> yeah. And you're not always by a phone to, to, to be able to respond quickly to these deals, right? Yeah. So, and there's some waiting point time too, right? So you may say, hey, broker, I've got $50,000 available. And they'll say, okay, awesome. I'll see if I can find you a deal. And then two months later, you get a deal, right? So that's two months of your money oh, just sitting there doing wow. nothing. Okay. Right? You right. won't necessarily, there's not necessarily a whole bunch of borrowers lining up waiting. You know, there's, you might yeah. have to wait a bit to, to place your money. Right. Yeah, that was a question I had. Uh, go ahead. I know you had a question there, Colin. Well, I was going to say, how did you find your broker? Um, I found them through another mortgage broker that I knew. So I said, Hey, do you set up private mortgages? And she says, no, I don't. But if I have a client who needs private money for whatever reason, I send them to this person. Right. Gotcha. So then I contacted that person and we set up a face to face and figure out what, you know, what their process was, what their standard terms of their mortgages were and everything else. And then you know, one thing led to another and eventually we uh, got sent our first deal through that right. broker. How often do you get deals sent now that you've got a relationship with the broker and is it just dependent on when you have the cash available or do they just kind of go? Yeah. <laughs> There's a dog's breaking in again. Hold on. Let me just let the dog in before he breaks the door. <laughs> he just keeps running into the door. So for the listener, it's a top hinged door. And, uh, <laughs> the bottom is not the bottom is not attached so I, I, that's the project i'll get to yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no that's kind of cool actually a little track on the top it was much more annoying when that opened into the room it was yeah yeah sorry where were we uh yeah how often do you are deals right. proposed like is this something you know you talk about nobody wants to have 50k sitting around and a couple months wait to get a 12 percent return that's probably okay but do is there an offer a month or is it twice a year or i guess i mean obviously it's going to depend on the broker yeah and there's other conditions involved i mean i'll get i was i had another question that popped in my head about risk but we'll talk about that and <laughs> work out this question yeah oh i mean generally if we don't have um an amount available like we'll 
we'll let our broker know that we're not prepared to receive deals. So we won't get deals when we don't have the ability to fund them. Fair enough. Right. Um, and then when we do have amounts available, I'll, I'll send an email to my brokers. That I, I, you know, I've been primarily talking about one, but I've, there's a, there are a couple that I work with now, or a few actually. Right. Um, and I say, hey, I have this amount available, and then um, they'll send me deals when they have them. So oftentimes we'll wait a couple months um, before before funding a, a new deal. Or sometimes what happens, you get presented one um, relatively quickly. And then for whatever reasons, the deal falls through, right? It goes through the lawyer and then the lawyer finds some other issue on title or with the borrower themselves. And then we just kind of walk away from the deal. Right. So um, I'd rather that happen than to be matched with a deal that uh, will will otherwise um, screw us. Right. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah that's, uh, <laughs> well, that's not ideal. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, have you had to deal with any delinquency? Uh, yes. Actually, oh, interesting. Okay. So out of the twenty-four, we had one um, in Alberta. It was an Alberta loan. I'll, I'll talk about why why the province makes a difference in a minute. Yeah. Um, so that one, essentially, right from day one, we never got any um, any payments. Interesting. Off okay. of that one. So you know, after after a month, we were communicating with the with the broker, and that one was actually um, self directed. So that was actually. That was a pretty high interest rate on that one. I think that was fourteen percent on right. that one, um, and there was no there was no cut um, to the to the broker. That involved yeah. a lot of work though, because we had to basically take over the first mortgage payment. So we had to have the funds to be able to do to that. Cover the exactly. Right. So right. there's two ways you can actually handle it. So okay, one yeah. is you, when you're in second position mortgage, obviously the um, what happens is in this case they didn't pay us and they also didn't pay their first mortgage okay mm-hmm. which was a bank right now so, the bank's gonna go after them now the bank will go after them unless they are satisfied that their interests are being protected so we when we can and we try to always do this, this is kind of our, our default setting we'll contact that bank as well and say hey i know you're not getting paid i'm also not getting paid i'm going to take a resume the payments of the first mortgage payments, right? I'm going to, whatever, it's a thousand bucks a month that for the first mortgage, yeah. I'll pay them to keep them satisfied while I take action on the property, right? So, the, you know, the first things we contact a, a lawyer and they, they issued a demand letter. Okay. Said, hey, you owe this much. If, you know, respond by X date. They still don't make amends. They don't, you know, they don't pay back what what's owed. Then they, um, what we, what happened was we went to um, they filed an application to the court. You're essentially suing, uh, suing the the lender. Sorry, the borrower. Bor- We're right, suing right. the borrower in in the court. So the queens, there was an application in the Queen's Bench of Alberta. Yeah, and they said, and uh, we we said they, they owe us this much, they haven't paid. So they said a, a redemption date was like six months down the road. Basically, for six plus months, plus the initial, you know, couple months, we you're, are you're paying the you're first mortgage. We're out. Paying. We're not getting more. Yeah, we're we're paying. We're paying. We're paying. We're not paying the legal fees. Right. We're just kind of banking that against like the what the lender or sorry, what the borrower owes. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, fortunately for that one, we um, just before that redemption date, with the date when we could put the sign on the lawn saying for sale, um, it was like a, within a week before that we got our, all our arrears paid back. Wow. Yeah, and then we, um, before the one-year term of the mortgage, or like right at that one-year term, we got the the principal repaid. Hmm. 
So did they sell the house? I think they had another asset, a uh, family oh. asset that they ended up selling to, gotcha. to recoup Satisfied. it in that, in that case. So in um, that case, well, you would get back all of those mortgage payments as well that you paid on the first mortgage. Yeah. So you still recoup all of the funds exactly. that you were, okay. Yeah, you basically you're adding all of those extra costs to the principal. Right. So for us, um, uh, legal. Oh, assist- so you're charging interest on that. I'm charging. Yes. Uh, we were charging 14% interest on every mortgage payment that we paid to the first mortgage. Um, and I'm, I would. I'm really trying to fees. avoid using the term predatory lending. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, well, yeah. Well, it's not right because it's you're. They're getting that mortgage. Um, of course. Yeah. On their own, like they're they they had an issue, and this is a strategy to help them get out of their debt and, and right. recoup their financial yeah. their issues. And most people, honestly, have you know out of what did I say twenty four, uh, have have achieved that. Yeah, you know, or they're they're on the track to achieving it. Um, but this that you know, there's that there's always going to be that one. It's a high interest mortgage. They've had some financial issues in the past. Right, it might happen. Right, of course. But as as a investor lender. You at least have some recourse. It's not like you're buying some stock and this, the the company goes tanked and you have no recourse and you have nowhere right. to go. And well, yeah. I guess, and right. that's really important on the due diligence of making sure the property is actually valued at what you're lending on it. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's a good point. So in the book, they talk about loan to value. Right. Do you have a number that you use, or is there a number that the brokers use, or? Yeah. Well, the trustees too have a number, I think. Okay. Um, yeah. And depending on your trustee, they won't they won't let you go above a certain number. Maybe it's ninety percent of your which is pretty high. Value, which is very high, which is very right? High. Yeah. For us, you know, under under the optimal circumstances, we'll say eighty five percent of the. the oh, that's still higher than I thought. Is, yeah, eighty five percent loan to value, and I'll just describe loan to value. You should, yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's say your property is worth. I'll just use easy numbers. Let's say the property is worth hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Super easy, super easy numbers. We could probably bump that to a million nowadays. Considering, <laughs> yeah. yeah, considering property the values, cost of yeah. living everywhere. Yeah. Well, hundreds are easier. Uh, they are, absolutely. Numbers, okay. So let's say you, they, they have a primary lender, um, a bank is lending, is, is agreed to lend them $50,000 mortgage against their property at whatever a low interest rate, 4% right. or something They, they like came that. up with 50K. Yeah, they yeah. come up to 50K. Sure. Um, that means there's another $50,000 of equity left in that property. Um, as a second mortgage lender, um, that gives me some space to lend up to, let's say, how would I say, eighty-five percent. Yeah. So another thirty-five thousand dollars of equity there um, to lend against. Right. And that gap, that's that difference between the um, the top, the eighty-five percent, so that that fifteen thousand dollar difference between the value of the property and all the money that's lent out, that equity is really what your security is. Yes. So that helps you. Like if the property were to go down value during the term of your loan or it would have to reason. go down more than $15,000 in order for you to actually lose money. Right. Or, right. I mean, also consider the costs that we have going into it. Right. right. So we're paying up the first mortgage. That's, you know, that's a thousand dollars a month. So depending on yeah. right. or a thousand plus, you know, depending on what you're paying to the first mortgage and legal fees, like that could get eaten up pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, depending for sure. on what, what your margin is, what your spread is, right. how, much, how big your loan is versus how big the first lender and what the payments are. So that's, I'll use that as an example of one we uh, declined, right. right? So there was kind of a uh, custom home that was built in the Ottawa area. We, we do a lot of our lending in, in Ontario because okay. uh, that's where we started doing it. Mm-hmm. We have a good relationship with a broker there. Um, 
anyway, custom home kind of outside of the city, developing neighborhood. Um, and they had fairly large first mortgage plan for this property. And we said, okay, if they were to default, we would be assuming this huge first mortgage and the appraisal, you know, said you could sell it in so many days for X amount of money. And we say, you know what? I'm not hundred percent sure. I really believe that because this is a brand new neighborhood. If somebody wanted a house, why would they pick this custom house that was designed for somebody else? They could just buy like design and build their own custom house for a similar amount of price in that same neighborhood. Right. Right. So, so it's those little things like it, you know, just, and that, that's kind of the value of the real estate investment network gave to us kind of right. really to kind of think through those complexities. Yeah. And understanding real estate a little bit to be able yeah. to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm no longer a rain member, but it sounds like I'm making a, I'm making a pitch for them a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No affiliates on this show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe sneaky weasel, but yeah. 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 So, which is empty by the way. Mine is. Hey, uh, FI garage is happy to serve a second beer. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go see what's in the fridge. All right, so what do we got here? Naturally, I went for the second cheapest beer in the BC liquor store. Nice. Good. Good. This one, this one is a whopping $8.49. Ooh. Hey, sub 10 is pretty good. That is pretty good. I mean, that doesn't include deposit and taxes, so I think you're pushing $10.50 or 11 bucks at that point. Yeah, I think we should say what the name of it is, though. Big oh, Surf Beer Co. Big, yeah, where's this from? I've, oh, Kelowna, BC, where there's no surfing whatsoever. Uh, yes, that is accurate. <laughs> well, you could wake surf if you've got a really big unmustachian boat. This that is burns very true. Yeah. This is very true. Yeah. Uh, so it's a five percent lager. Uh, there is no verbiage on the can, so well, we'll put it in our show notes. It just says below uh, craft brewed lager. in small batches, brewed in Canada. Oh, I think the sneaky weasel is better than that. Oh, really? Yeah, let's try it. Cheers. We're all drinking at the same time again. Yeah. It's different anyway. Yeah. I I prefer the Sneaky Weasel. Yeah, there's a little something at the end of this. I don't know. A little aftertaste. I like it, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to let mine go to waste. No. Yeah. We would never waste beer in the garage. Constantly yeah. on a quest to find the best value and flavor in your beers. Well, yeah. isn't that the goal? It's a public service announcement. Every yeah. show. By you know, the way, we, were, uh, we should mention that this is for entertainment purposes only. I am not providing uh, financial <laughs> advice, nor am I qualifying or yes, yeah, you know, to do so. We needed to do the disclaimer, but thank you. Yes, for doing that for us. <laughs> Since Kevin showed up tonight, I've been thinking about replacing the Economist. <laughs> yeah, that's. In fact, he's fired. Well, yeah, for this week. Sorry, yeah. Economist. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, okay. This episode will drop and, uh, and he'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Fantastic. All right, getting back to the main topic of this evening, which was arm's length mortgages, which was really exciting for the accountant and I to learn about from the book RSP Secret by Greg Has Habstrit. It's a B. Habstrit. Yep. Habstrit, yeah. There you go. So we're chatting with Kevin and his wife, Janine, and he's been enlightening us on all the nuances. So. We decided maybe we should do a little bit of a rundown on how a typical deal comes together. Oh, I thought we had to talk about the provincial differences first. Oh, well, we could go into that too. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we'll go through that. 
we'll go through that. So yeah. Well, provincial well, differences. We don't want to I mentioned BC yeah. or I mentioned Alberta yeah. mortgages that went bad. Right. And then you talked about Ontario mortgages. And so yeah. I think it's obvious, pretty obvious that you can be involved in uh, second mortgages anywhere in Canada. Yeah. That's yeah. my understanding. Yeah. That's right. But each province has a slightly different law when it comes to the foreclosure part of the mortgage. Yeah, like because I, I think property action. law is generally provincial, provincial thing, that's right? Yeah, correct. yeah. So, um, yeah, depending on which province you're in, uh, they can go either to kind of a power of sale. So, I, I which I, my understanding is, I haven't actually had to go through it in a power of sale province yet. Yeah, so okay. All my Ontario ones have just been open and shut, like right. super awesome, pay every month, like fantastic cases um but in some provinces what you have to do is when you if you have an issue and you want to foreclose on that house you have to actually make an application in the court like we did for the alberta one i already talked about and then you know there's a it basically it makes it take longer to yeah. foreclose and to get your money back because you have to go through these processes and there's extra costs because of all the lawyers involved right and the time right so you might you might choose to offset that by reducing in those provinces the loan to value the maximum loan to value that you'd be willing to to lend right, right? give you give a bit you... more room right yeah yeah give yourself a little more safety right so ontario for example my understanding from the book yeah. um, again is uh, that it's what's called a power of sale rather than a foreclosure and you don't necessarily need to go to the courts to to take action on that property and to uh, to set the uh, you know, in Alberta, they, you know, it said they will be posted for no less than this amount of money and this no less or no more and be on the market for this amount of time. And you can only put up the sign at this time. They're very specific. Right. And, you know, all, all the offers will have to go through the courts and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, power of sale. My understanding is it's, it's more quick. doesn't require as much legal, um, more lawyers and doesn't need as much court time. That's right. Like, you can basically come to an agreement outside the courts right. to satisfy all parties. Yeah. Is what it boils down to. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Legally, you can do it outside of the just the, yeah. the legal system other than, with, you know, registering with, the title yeah. and everything like that. With, with, you can do it just with your lawyers without having yeah. to go to the courts. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's more expedited as a process. Yeah. Right? Which is important. If yeah, you're, if you're sitting, especially if you're at uh, with the example you gave, coming up with the first mortgage for six months waiting for the court. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, could be a drain on your cash flow. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Right. So, you get an offer from your broker. Right. You've got some cash sitting in your RSP available. What happens next? So we evaluate it. Like I said, we look at the three things. We look at um, the property, yeah. which is your biggest security. So generally, we look at the appraisal. Um, if you can actually go view the property yourself, that's the best. Yeah. In practice, um, we land in different provinces, so we don't find that uh, practical. We use us. Street View. So we often <laughs> good old Google, right? Yeah, we use Street View and Fair say, enough. "Is this actually a real property?" For one, right? Does yeah. this exist? And yeah. what kind of condition is it? Does it look like a similar condition to what the appraisal shows? Right? Is this reasonable? And then you know, is this appraisal reasonable? Are the adjustments the appraiser makes reasonable? Um, are the comparative properties that they use reasonable? Um, so, so that's the first thing we evaluate the property. Is will this be a good security? Do we think we can sell it if we need to? Yeah, right. The next one we look at the borrower, right? So, can they? Uh, I generally run um, a debt service ratio calculator. I find online. Like, oh, okay. So yeah, I say, yeah. you know, knowing you know all their debt obligations, um, do I think they can actually afford to, to make to payments. make the payments to me? Right. right. Or is this going to go in default right away? Yeah. And there have been a couple I've turned down for that reason. Fair enough. Yeah. 
And then the third thing is the terms of the deal. And now this one I usually skim over because they're often, most second mortgages are fairly consistent in it. So usually they're interest only payments. The term of the deal is one year. Yeah. So technically they're required to pay you back after one year. Um, but there's often, I, again, you usually will renew them. Right. Right. If, if they're paying if they're on paying, time every time, you yeah. say, you know, good to go, you'll renew, you're happy to renew. Yeah, of course. So good to go. Otherwise, you could call your full amount after that one year term is up. That's correct. Or if you have some other reason, you know, that you need the money, you technically could. You That wouldn't be good for your relationship with the broker generally. Right. Okay. Right. That. But, yeah. you know, let's say you have some big family emergency, some other reason why you are now. Even though you've lended a chunk of money, you now need that money for something important for yourself, right? You could contractually, you can pull that back. So it sounds like you're a little bit obligated then to, to continue if they're paying and the broker's happy to continue and the terms are reasonable. Because, you know, if you wanted to get your money out, technically it's not there to get out anymore. It's still there in the equity, of course. Mm-hmm. But you're one, your term's up and you're like, well, you know, I kind of really don't want to stay in this one. It's then really you, not a good enough reason, is it? Um, it is. I mean, legally, uh, legally. You, you can. You can get out of it. But you'd have to. What would happen, though? Because if they've used that money, yeah, they don't have it to repay to you, technically. It, I understand it's yeah. in the couldn't, equity. But couldn't they just apply you, for, get somebody else to fund well, the okay, second? Yeah. I guess maybe that's the question I'm asking. Yeah. yeah. They, they could refinance with another lender. Okay, fair. Yeah. I mean, there are costs associated with it. Again, totally. the register and, yeah. the, and it costs the borrower more. And so as, as responsible lenders, we try not to give more costs to the borrower who's already paying a lot, right? Because then they yeah. have to go through the whole legal fees and yeah. the whole appraisal right. and everything again, right? Because it's all stale dated now, right? So you, you do a one-year term, but you should expect to be on there. You said your longest one has been five years. That's right. Yeah. 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 So I mean, so average, that's know, fine if you're years. willing to, to continue that. But I think it needs to be understood by the listeners that your money is, is not necessarily liquid in this right. style of investment. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Really, I mean, it's a good cash flowing asset, but it's not, uh, is you know, it's not like a, the money in your savings account. You can't just take it. And, or even even in a stock market investment, you can sell all your holdings tomorrow right. and remove your money. Right. right. So it's, it's important that, that we understand that. Yeah. If, if somebody renews for six straight years at 12%, you've gotten your full <laughs> investment back and then you just have your investment. That's right. Like, yeah. That's, I'll you, take it. You're fine? Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, that's fair. I just wanted to make it clear that uh, just because we are calling them one-year terms, yep. it's important to realize that if through your experiences that most people roll over at that point. Most or? people tend to roll over, yeah. I mean, we've had uh, you know a handful that have uh, gone right to the one year or have gone like a year and a little bit or something like that. But right. oftentimes they're, you're looking at a couple of years. Is there a point where you go, well, it's been five years in. Do you start worrying that they may... Like, they're not being uh, intelligent with their credit and they're they're just paying you interest only. They haven't paid any principal. Yes. So is no. there a certain point where we go, yeah, I don't know if I'm not comfortable with it anymore. Sure, I'm getting great cash flow from it, but I've got this 40K hanging out there and it's... Yes and no. They, I mean, they, may, they don't look like they're as good a borrower anymore. Type at thing. the end of the day, you're an investor. You're not a social worker. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it only took a that's, year and a half to get the truth out. That's, no, that's a very good point. 
No, that's that's fair. I was looking at it more from protecting your asset point of view. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, from protecting your asset point of view, you're looking at you know it's it's so far it's a secure investment. Well, they, right? yeah, because no, no, it's still if they're yeah. still paying every every yeah. month, like great, you know, it's just like why why do the banks why are the the mortgages the lowest interest rate of any loans that they'll give, right? Because it's the safest. Only I think the statistic is something like two percent. Of, of of any mortgages is defaulted and we, we found with second mortgages you know one in 24 or you know we've had a couple of like missed months that haven't gone to the court and stuff like that but we're looking at you know let's say sub five percent still yeah. yeah with uh with second mortgages and i mean that's and and not losing a dollar right How, who lend who bought, buying um, stocks or bonds can it's say that they haven't it. lost any money. Uh, that's my hand down over this. Side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, uh, definitely lost some money. Might have been right. those, those uh, speculative plays we made. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I say that I have a speculative play right now that's lost money. <laughs> yeah, we're all there for some mistakes. Yeah. We're gonna have yeah. another episode. This has been a lot of fun. Anyway, yeah, I, I so kind of sidetracked you there. Sorry. No, it's okay. The deal so, together. No, we talked. Yeah, so we talked about the property. We talked about the borrower. We talked about the terms. Um, Loan to value is one of the one of the terms yeah. I, I look at, right? Of course. So right. I want to make sure it makes sense for the risk to, the risk of that mortgage. You know, how right. big the first is, where it is, how soon do I think I can sell it, the you know the debt service of the of a borrower. All those factors make me consider whether I, whether or not I'm willing to fund it. Yeah. Um, do I have enough money? Yeah, of right? course. <laughs> That's always a factor. Yeah. What are the terms? You know, the standard charge terms on a mortgage. Like you'll see, you know, the formaldehyde, the grow up, the, you know, right, the, you know, the the person can't, you know, do damage to the property willfully. Uh, is it, it's a default to the mortgage to lower their value. Yeah, exactly. essentially, all, all that, all that kind of standard charge terms, um, they go as part of the mortgage as well. Right. Do you have that? Like that's all sort of a boilerplate stuff that your lawyer has that it's right. taken care of that's right. right all that all those terms are put in there i mean you're, you're not drafting any kind of legalese at all are you you've, you've generally got... not it's all drafted and you you review it and you say does this make sense for me does this not right and you sign it if it does make sense and you send it back and then they'll fund it. and then what then what happens let's say you accept it and you you know sign the agreement to say yeah i'll fund this mortgage if everything comes through the broker typically has um some uh, lawyers. If you're going through a broker, the broker will have some go-to like real estate lawyers that they work with all the time. Right. Um, if you're doing it yourself, uh, you can find your own lawyer. Um, if you, if the two of you, for example, you're on Vancouver Island, I've got a recommendation if you need. If you're going to do, do it yourself, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, that'd be great. Um, that's that's the plan. Yeah, we'll see. Ni- yeah, ninety ten, right? You and I. Uh, you're the ninety. <laughs> I'm the ten. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought we were going to go thirty thirty. Uh, 40. Uh, why don't we just make the economist do all of it? Because he's not here. <laughs> yeah. No, I was going to partner with Kevin here. He seems to know what he's doing. Well, that's a better idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you do it yourself um, and you don't have a broker, you got to find a lawyer and to, to have the documents. Right. And, yeah. and there are there are places to get the standard charge terms. Like you read the book. Apparently there's a whole bunch of stuff bonus that comes, bonus material that comes with the book too. That are, Yeah. It's 10 year old bonus material, but I was yeah, able to good. find it. So yeah. Yeah. Listeners, you can check it. I mean, even though the book's 10 years old and I, I did actually want to ask you a quick question about that. Has there been a lot of change in the industry as far as what he talks about in the book? I mean, I think the principles are very sound of what, yeah. how he describes the process and the risks and the procedures. 
obviously it would be up to anybody interested in this to go and do their due diligence and their research to make sure that they're up to date on on any kind of uh, laws of, about mortgages mortgage lending in their province and things like that but I, have there, there been anything major in the... nothing major that i can think of right at so, the moment yeah no i mean interest income is still taxed as income like full tax rate yeah yeah the, yeah you know you're, you're still allowed to hold um lending instruments in your registered RSP, accounts yeah. rsb tfsa yeah. lif etc and that's what the secret is that's the point yeah. of the book isn't it yeah because because the power of that right your tfsa right you say you have fifty thousand dollars in tax-free savings account earning 12 percent. that's six thousand dollars of income just from that one from that one loan yeah. a year every right? year that's how, tax-free yeah does that replace you know listener how, how much does that replace for you right yeah that's, a month that's gonna... a half a month two months how much income is that right yeah how much Lots. less do you have to work with yeah, yeah. well and, and especially yeah that the six grand is probably more like 10 grand if you actually had to go earn it and pay yeah. taxes on it and EI and CPP and yeah, you know, so that's a huge up to getting closer to Phi. You bet. So question, you're on your path to Phi and clearly you need to build up a portfolio or, or savings before you can take on this strategy. So let's just use uh a half a million because we like round numbers, but I like using the five because it's harder for the accountant to do the math. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> but you'd have to make a decision to sell. You've probably been investing all the way up. Yeah. So you'd now have to make a decision to liquefy some of those assets to provide yourself with the funding for this strategy. True. And it sounds like I would be, I would personally have a, it was a difficult decision for me to say, uh, I've got to liquefy forty thousand dollars worth i believe of... liquidate is the word you're looking for <laughs> no i'm using liquefy <laughs> yeah. i want to swim in it <laughs> liquidating sounds permanent that's like a carpet store that's yeah. liquidating <laughs> okay now you're the word police thanks well you know that's what i'm here for it's nice having guests that are too polite to call me out <laughs> well I didn't that's pick why up on i'm it. still here i'm not an accountant <laughs> So when I've liquefied my liquidating assets, no, my point is that I, I would struggle to sell $40,000 worth of an index fund yep. that I've been holding and growing over the last 10 years uh, to put into it. So Now, I, why would you struggle to sell that? Well, I think it would be a, a psychological barrier. Well, that's exactly what we did. You sold your, your we assets? Sold, we okay. had TDE series yeah, funds, yeah. right? And we and that's yeah. actually what I'm selling to try and yeah. get into the strategy. And I said, so. hey, the market's been, you know, with the news at the time, this was 2013, it was like, all-time high, TSX, like, yeah. high, high, high. Like, the market's, I'm like, oh, okay, well, everybody's jumping on the bag and wagon. And I'm, I don't want it to, I don't want to meet the next recession. So then right. we sold those accounts and, well, we transferred them to 2202 or whatever it is. Um, transferring, not transferring kind, but where you... You have to obviously don't withdraw it. No, and then no recontribute. Yeah, yeah. Right. have you know do the have the actual have transfer, the bank transfer the to the other bank. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. if you have questions about that, read about it or send us an email. <laughs> yeah, don't talk withdraw to your funds. talk to your banker about talk it before banker, you yeah. do it. This is yeah. for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, so that's what we. Did. That's exactly what we did. Right. Yeah. yeah, and that's fair. I mean, I can see it happening, and and, I, and I'm committed to try to try this out and. I think no. it's a great return. The, okay, uh, no, me first. I'm still talking. Go for it. I wasn't interrupting you. I wanted to. I wanted to segue because you brought up market risk in, for example, ETF index investing or E-series funds. There, there's still 
a form of market risk in your style of investing because I understand the loan to value rate that protects you. Mm-hmm. We've been very lucky in Canada to never see any drastic real estate swings. Don't Not, say never. I, yeah. Okay. I, I'm trying to use my words really carefully so I don't get in trouble with. So we're going to have an email going, uh, what about this? But the point I wanted to make is that if all of a sudden we were in a recession, it would be harder for all of your borrowers to make their payments. Right. So this isn't completely removed from economic risk no there's risk in every investment of course. it's hard to yeah. avoid yeah, yeah. But i think it's important that we yeah. acknowledge that and, and yeah. say that yeah for sure you could potentially be facing delinquencies for sure and that's that's the risk that you run yeah that's you may end up with more houses owned which and, is not and, a bad and, problem to have yeah but and again holding costs of not being able to sell them quickly though right mm-hmm. right if, mm-hmm. if if people don't have them the cash up front but then same thing if you were invested right now we're comparing this investing strategy to market investing well i don't want to try and compare it i apologize i'm not trying to compare but no and and it's it's reasonable to do because any strategy you're looking at do i do this strategy or do this i only have a certain amount of money yeah right so then you look at you know more um investing in the stock market and if if that kind of recession were to hit generally people would be pulling their investments out to be needing to spend it on other things as well right so generally a lot my my perception is that the value of stocks would go down too because there'd be less demand less people putting money into having money to go into the market they're on sale if you have money to put into it right but then your your value of your investments is dropping and i mean that's a good point for like the 2009 era with the crash stocks were on sale but houses were too and it yeah, was a totally. matter that was just a matter of if you were somebody with money during that time period, you could get great investment deals in a lot of yeah. asset classes because everything was down. Right. But if you're holding an index fund in a recession, there's there's much less risk that all the companies within that index are gonna suffer a, a terminal fate. But if you have a portfolio of loans, Okay. Yeah. So okay. Right? again, we're talking about diversification. There you go. <laughs> but but is the value of that index fund directly related to the success of the companies, or is it related to the or an ETF, let's say, or is it related to the you know who how many buyers you have? Yeah. For that. Well, ETF? the market value. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Well, maybe we're how much is froth? And how <laughs> now much we're is stopping. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay, Janine, what do you think? <laughs> This beer is uh, yeah. great. It's been, yeah, that's the thing. We have to keep supplying her with beers. She's not talking. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, no, I. This has been a fan, a really fascinating discussion. It's something that the accountant I found was re- super interesting. The book was really good, very well written. Uh, it has a great little section at the beginning that kind of just. It, yeah, it's very similar to Beat the Bank. The first just, fifty pages or so is all it's about like, just why like, are you in? Well, yeah. and I mean in two thousand nine, definitely. I think now, especially the FI crowd or FIRE mm-hmm. crowd, uh, mustaches, we're all a little more educated on index funds and low fees. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But it, it's a good refresher at the beginning to kind of give your head a shake if you've just got money sitting in a high fee mutual fund that you don't know what it's doing. Yeah, you a lot of people have a lot of money sitting in an RSP that they're not utilizing, and that's really what the secret's all about is putting that money to work for you yeah getting you things bet. working yeah yeah any closing uh, points there mr count no i think that was very informative and i can't wait to actually make a loan <laughs> <laughs> yeah
Yeah. Well, I'm going to... That's a good first step. Yeah. First step. The one, the first one is the most exciting. Yeah. Well, he's already in real estate, so I'm I'm yeah. a noob here. I need to learn from both But hey, guys. you can diversify within mortgage lending too, right? Yeah. The more properties you have, the safer you are. Or the more properties. The more loans you have out on different properties, the safer you're technically technically you're diversifying amongst more real more, estate more real estate yeah oh i'm in uh yeah i'm voting for sneaky weasel too if you yeah know. yeah i think that is the final decision if you see you in the think? liquor store and you're on a budget or if you're mustachian sneaky weasel thanks again for uh bringing beverages to the garage and of course thanks it's for only fair yeah yeah <laughs> well it wasn't a requirement if anybody else wants to come down and record in the garage you don't have to bring beer i mean yeah we won't shun you. We'll no. make fun of you afterwards, maybe. But uh, no, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you both here. Yeah, thanks for coming, guys. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, well, my pleasure. I'll say this is our first podcast, actually, so we're we're newbies. And thanks for breaking us in. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's just yeah. like having a discussion. And yeah, yeah, just having a beer and having, hanging out, having a talk in the garage. Yeah, we're not at twenty yet, are we? So we're closing in on it, though. I think we're getting better. I, I, yeah. It's less painful than it used to be. (laughs) (laughs) I will train you to edit one day. Yeah, that's not happening. All right. Um, Thank you very much for listening uh, to this episode, this interview with uh, Kevin and his wife, Janine, all about the RSP secret and arm's length mortgage invest, arm's length mortgage lending. There you go. Right. Uh, There's lots more to learn about it. And we'll post some notes in links for you in the show notes and maybe a little bit the real estate investors network in canada that sounds like a good resource as well and uh yeah i'm gonna have to do some reading up myself on real estate investing absolutely all right thanks folks have a good evening farewell bye <laughs> that's perfect yeah bye <laughs>